0: If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Hey, Hey. what's going
1: on, everybody? This is Dr. Shonda. And and Chanel. And you're listening to the The Double Dose Dose Podcast. Podcast. Listen. We are two, one set of twins <laughs> with two different perspectives. <laughs> so I am so excited. We're two. We're two episodes into the Double Dose Second podcast episode. Double Dose podcast on the Revolt podcast network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. Listen, I'm never going shout tired out, of that tagline. Never. <laughs> shout out to all the executives at Revolt. Yes, thank y'all who, who believe in, in us. us. Yes, period. Um, shout out to our label mates, like uh, the to, other podcasters yes, like, who are also holding court. Yes, women in hip hop a lot yes, yeah so we're excited we're excited in this season yeah um so but i do want to start off today's episode chanel about giving people updates regarding what we do and who we are but if we could first give like updates on what recently you've been doing in our careers share a recent win yes okay cool um one recent win that i had actually was a couple of weeks ago and um I host it. For those of you who don't know, I'm a diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioner for an people NFL People don't team. know what that means. Can you explain that? I do diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, Chanel, let me tell you. Because I, when I introduce my sister to people in like, the industry and stuff, I say, oh, she does diversity, equity, and inclusion. What's that, right? Like, people don't know. The okay. regular person wouldn't know what they do. So tell, explain us more, like, what you do. Okay, so diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Um, basically, I advocate for the historically marginalized. So if that means creating programming for, like, our black employees or our Latinx employees or LGBTQ+, plus, um, that's me. So some things that you may have seen, like, in the headlines or whatever, like, I hosted an HBCU symposium at my job. Um, and you ended up? hiring people on the spot right yeah we hired hbcu students on the spot or even um having involvement in our shop black directory for our company so um things like that so okay yeah Yeah. um but one win okay so i have um a couple of friends that work in at the washington wizards so shout out to my homegirl, Crystal, and my soror. Um, she does DE&I for the Wizards mm-hmm. or Monumental Sports, so all of their sport properties under that, which includes the Wizards, the Mystics, um, and the Caps, and a few others. So we got together and we had this vision that we wanted to get all of the D.C. professional sports teams together in the name of diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we did that. So we've done months of planning and we finally saw it come into fruition a couple of weeks ago. So we had this big extravagant event at Capital One Arena, home of the Wizards, um, in which they play. And um, it was just great to see. We had a panel discussion based on diversity and inclusion. Um, on the panel, we had VPs, presidents, chiefs, like It was awesome. We moderated the panel. And then, of course, there were networking opportunities for all of the sport professionals in the area. Uh, We had like 150 RSVPs. It was. It was super dope. Like, we didn't know so many people were going to attend. We were so nervous about the numbers. But um, ultimately, it came together, and we hosted the first event like that, you know, we got all the DC sports teams together and um, all the DC professional sports teams, DC professional sports teams. So that includes the soccer team, the women's soccer team, so you um, had the NFL the team, the commanders there, the wizards there, yep. the nets, the nat. Oh, look at you, baseball. Yep, yeah, yeah. So, and DC United. Which I'm is just soccer. saying because they don't know. OK, so <laughs> like all the sports teams, I get it. She had come together yep. for diversity, equity and inclusion, yes. which is a really big deal, um, yeah. which is why I like you talking about your work, because a lot of people don't even know that a lot of sports teams don't really have de and i right departments right. so the fact that y'all came together in dc to discuss like de and i work and mm-hmm. how you guys can continue to promote like and help marginalized individuals and communities at work yeah i think that is important and that needs to be talked about more absolutely well no i appreciate it and um you actually just sent me an article from tamika mallory yeah. and she posted that uh, 75% of players are black. Um, However, that does not and translate. They, yeah, they and they contribute to their $3 billion sports industry. Yep, they contribute to the $3 billion revenue generating streams or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, But that does not translate to the front office executives. Um, So the players are black, but the people in the front offices usually aren't. So yeah. that's so, an interesting statistic. Right. And it's why I'm so passionate about this work. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and even the concept of like reaching while climbing. Yeah. so Climbing while reaching back to help other people. Mm-hmm. Not only are you thriving in the sports industry, but like I can name a plenty of people who say like, oh, Chanel helped me get this job or yeah. Chanel like introduced me to this person at the Wizards or that person mm-hmm. at the Pelicans or whatever. Um and I love doing that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's important in our work, especially as black women. Yeah. Because we are underrepresented yeah. across the board. Yep. So like having a, a space, a seat at the table and mm-hmm. you're offering, you're pulling up more chairs yep. for people who look like you. I think that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I love doing that. Like one of my mentees just took a job. Um, he's now like a group sales manager at the Brooklyn Nets in, um, yeah, in the NBA. So. Listen, I, I love putting people on, especially great people yeah. who do great work. Absolutely. Yeah, especially in the sports industry. I think that's really important. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, because you mentioned the HBCU hires. Yeah. So y'all had that big symposium. Mm-hmm. You hired people, like the students who came out yeah. on the spot. Like, these are big things. Yeah. That you don't <laughs> talk about. And I, this I, is not my first time telling Chanel this. Like, she doesn't talk enough mm-hmm. about work. Um, When when do I not talk about it? That's, like, like that's I'm saying going question. into specifics. Like, if, okay. if I would have let you go and say, like, oh, um, you know, I just had this event for DE&I for the sports team. If I wasn't probing you, like, okay. you wouldn't have went into detail. Like, I brought in the Wizards. I brought in the, you know, hockey teams, baseball teams. And okay. we all, the black employees got together and we talked about DE&I. That might be my toxic trait. I don't know how to. Well, I know how to, but... I guess maybe sometimes I'm uh, too humble mm-hmm. in some instances because I mean there are most of the time I feel like I'm super confident but when it comes to like you talking know, about explaining work. yeah when it comes to explaining like you know what I do and my impact in this industry sometimes like I do you know but we're gonna talk a little bit about our career paths later in the show so but, I'll, I'll be able to you know brag on myself then but that even makes me wonder remind me we gotta pick this up later but. Um, We had Dr. Janice on the show for Mm -hmm. for my podcast. I love Dr. Janice. She brought up, shout out to Dr. Janice. Shout out to Dr. Janice. And and she brought up a point about how like there was an article that was published about how black employees Mm -hmm. are deemed as uh, problematic when they brag on themselves, when they talk about their accomplishments in comparison to their white counterparts. Can we pull up that article? I don't have it. Do you? No. (laughs) <laughs> um, but she was saying that, and that makes me wonder, like, is that why maybe sometimes you don't really talk about yeah. some of the things that you do at work? Because even for me, like, if I'm in a room full of professionals, like, I'm not going to be listing off all the accomplishments right. that I made. And I think—I'm not saying it's a good thing. It might be conditioning. Like, mm-hmm. it, we're conditioned, especially as black people to not black talk about women. black women. Yeah, because you don't want to come off as, like, braggadocious. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to come off as, like, too cocky or mm-hmm. what have you. Because they already— Semi can't handle us. Right. They already can't handle us. Um. And then for you to come in and say, well, I did this, I did this, I did this, I did this. It's like, like, hold up, you yeah. know? So. I mean, but meanwhile, you know, two doors down. Yep. You know, you have your employees who might not be melanated. Yep. Who are there They're simply off of. They're challenged. Right. Yeah. <laughs> who might be there due to me- nepotism or whatever. Because they know their uncle works. But they have no problem bragging, though. They don't. They don't. They have no problem ba- bragging. They don't. That's crazy. Yeah. <sighs> we'll talk more about that challenges of, you know, uh, black women in the workplace. Um but no, I think what you're doing is amazing. I think it's great. Mm-hmm. My only um I guess hard time that I really have with you, my only bone to pick that I have with you is the fact that you don't talk about it enough. And we had this conversation even on my podcast. I know, but it's just like the thin line the thin line between um Saying too much because I don't want to become a, you know, a spokesperson for I mean, employer. I'm not even saying that because we don't have to name names. We don't have to even say the industry. But I'm saying the work that you are doing, mm-hmm. like I do de and I work. I mm-hmm. do X, Y and Z. I help these employees like being more specific in that regard because people need to know that. Mm-hmm. like people might not know that they have an advocate. Let's say there's another black woman in, you know, Cali. Right, and she's listening to this podcast. She might not know that she has an advocate related to her being in the sports industry. Right, they might want to connect with you. Absolutely. Well, if they listen to the Success Playbook podcast, also on the Revolt podcast network, then they know that they have me. Right, but you have to talk about it. That was a plug for my show. Right, listen to my show. Right, but you have to talk about it. Is what I'm saying. But this Mm. ain't our first time talking about it. Right. Um. But anyway, so one of the things that I would have been doing is, um, really just being really involved for may which is mental health awareness month and talking to various individuals and interviews about mental health and what that means for us in the black community um recently last weekend actually we had the opportunity to attend the it's okay not to be okay uh banquet or sneaker gala Mm -hmm. sneaker gala so it was at the anthem which is really dope the anthem um it had a green carpet it wasn't a red carpet Mm -hmm. it was green for mental health awareness
2: month all the press hey there
1: were there taking pics um, and it was really like an event where everybody was there just Let's advocating talk about the red, red carpet. House. Yes, let's talk about the red carpet. Okay. Um your bone to pick with me is I don't advocate for myself. Okay, cool. Um, or I don't speak up about what I what I do. Mm-hmm. When we got to the green carpet, y'all, <laughs> and they have the lady with the whiteboard and she's writing everybody's name saying, okay, well, what's your name? That's... And then... No, no, that, no, no, no. Wait, hold on. So that's... Just to explain it, They announce you before you walk the car. Yeah. Um, So whoever, if you've walked the red carpet, you know this. But if not, I'll create the visual. So the carpet is here, right? And then towards the um, beginning of the carpet, you have this line of individuals who's ready to walk the carpet. And then you have a lady here who has a dry erase board and a a marker. And she's asking you your name and what you do. And she's going to write it down. And she's going to announce it so that the uh, photographers and all the media know who's walking down the carpet. So, you know... When we get to the carpet, the top of the carpet, mm-hmm. this one says, "Let me take a step back." She asked, "Hey, are you just coming, or um, did somebody invite you?" She says, "Oh, nobody invited me. I'm just here." No, that yes, is you not did. How, that's yes, you did. did. Right. And I said, "What she asked?" Um, are you a sponsor, or are you attending? I said, "I'm attending." She said, "I'm attending." I had to cut in and say, well, she's the speaker. She's the whole speaker on the event. And she was like, girl, why you ain't tell me that? So she she goes, well, what's your name? And she said, Shonda Reynolds. And I said, Dr. Shonda Reynolds. She's one of the panelists tonight. Girl, why you ain't? I'm about, I'm about to fight you. <laughs> the the girl literally said, I'm about to fight you. Like, girl, say it with your chest. You Dr. Shonda and you're on this whole panel. But, okay, and we no. can get into this <laughs> later. <laughs> Um, but just like you have that issue like in professional settings. Right. To me, like yeah, that was like a social event or whatever, but I was also there like working pretty much. Like I was right. there working as a speaker. And oftentimes like if I'm introducing myself, I don't I don't lead with I'm a doctor. Right. I don't No, do that. that's fine. That's fine if you are at like a restaurant and you're meeting friends. But you were at work. You were in mm-hmm. a professional setting working. I know, but it just feels weird. I remember um, when we were at the HBCU week when we did the panel. We had so many great panelists. Um, when we met Ascala, yeah, that was something she said too. Like well, we was we was busting it up before the panel. Ascala from Real Housewives, Real Housewives of Potomac. Of Potomac yeah, um, we were busting it up before the panel because we were both panelists, and they had called my. They had introduced me to come up to the stage um, as Dr. Shonda Reynolds. Mind you, I'm like, oh hey, I'm Shonda. Nice to meet you. Blah blah blah. Right. She was like, wait, you a doctor? You ain't say none of that. Why? It's, I know, but it's just like one of those things that I have to eventually get over because I just don't like people. I don't know. I don't want to put a perspective out there that like I lead with that. But do you realize that we are literally saying the same thing? I know. <laughs> do you realize that? <laughs> I mean, I guess. So we can both get better. Sure. Okay. But that just means that, you know, you call me out when you notice me doing that. And I call you out when you notice me right. when I notice you doing that. Deal. Okay. All right. So we're at this event, the it's okay not to be okay event. So we walk in the red carpet, you know, we got As soon as we walk in, we see Anthony Anderson. That was dope. He was one of the hosts of the event. Yeah. That was dope. Um, so we walked the red carpet. The press are there. The press, um, they had Essence, uh, Fox Sports, like so many different. I didn't know Essence was there. Yeah, Essence was there. That's Fox Sports up. was there. They had local media and national media. I think somebody from Getty Images was there. Like it was really, That's it was really dope. Um, so you would stop. You would walk the red carpet. Dr. Shonda, can you tell us your perspective of mental health in the Black community? <laughs> sure, because I talk about this all the time. Right. What do you want to know? And I was your personal photographer we but you know we, do that. We do we, we do, do that we do we no matter how like advanced we get how big we get we gonna always like ride for the other person so that night was not about me you know I was walking around looking good but I was also holding a tripod and her <laughs> bags and my bags and stuff and walking around like being her personal photographer right right um but there were a couple of times where people would notice that we're twins, and they were like, "Yo, you you are have twins? twins, mind oh, you." She's behind the red carpet I'm taking behind, pictures. Yes, y'all Hauling twins stuff. All right, get on the red carpet. Right. I want to get both of y'all. So I'm putting my tripod and my purses <laughs> and everything down, and I, I lean over and walk over to the red, the green carpet, and we up here posing together and stuff. Yeah, getting the picture, and then I go back over, and then I pick up all my stuff and continue to walk behind the carpet. Yeah, so. it was dope. It, it was, was a dope was a cool event. We got in, um, you know, met so many great people. The event started with uh aerial dancers oh yes hanging from the ceiling hanging from the ceiling yes and mind you, this is all in the name of mental health. They, oh, it was Oh, in the name of mental it health. It was an edutainment event. So, like, yes. they had a lot of entertainment, but it was also educational. Yes. So, they had aerial dancers. Um, next, they had uh, panelists. So, I was a panelist. Well, before that, they had the go-go band. They had the go-go band. Yeah, the go-go band. Shout uh, out to the go-go band. Shout out to the go-go band. They, they, and then, they were amazing. And then, we had the panelists, panelists. for the, the black uh, woman doctors or whatever. Yep. I forgot their specialties. Behavioral specialists and something yep. else. But... Yeah, so we had our panel for the women's perspective or whatever. That was really dope. I enjoyed it. It was. We were in a room of like what, 500 people? Probably, yeah. About 500 people. Literally, the anthem in DC Mm -hmm. was one of the best venues in the area. Shauna's on stage alongside some other doctors. Can we tell them? Wait, can we? You said I crushed it. Say that again in the mic. Did okay, she was quite mid. Um, I think there's no for real. She said I crushed it, but I would there's a reason why. Right before I got up there, what's wrong? I had told you, I'm like, yo, mind you, there's so many people in the audience. Uh, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, mad football players, mad uh, doctors, yeah, yeah, lawyers. Um, again, Anthony Anderson tweet was out there. Like, it's just people that I grew up watching. I'm like, Chanel. I'm nervous. My hands right. are shaking, and, and you we're was praying. like, "Yeah," and you was like, "Are you are you okay?" Because I was shaking. I was like, "No, nah, I'm nervous." And Chanel literally stopped everything and prayed for me, which I'm so grateful for. Seriously, yeah. I'm grateful for that uh, because it really shows how, like, even in our most vulnerable moments, we can be vulnerable with each other and mm-hmm. we have each other's back. Yeah, absolutely. Like, At the yeah. dinner table, I did. I yeah, what I was doing, I prayed for you. Alright, so it was a panel. Yeah, you did the panel. Um, you did great. Um, it was near a standing ovation almost. They nobody stood up, but they were clapping hard for you. <laughs> it was really good. Um, um, so after the panel, there was like a play. Yeah, like but a there was f- something else about the panel I wanted to say. Oh. But no, go ahead. You sure? Yeah. Oh no, no. Okay. Are you talking about what happened after the panel? Like mad people were walking up to me. Saying like, oh my gosh, oh, you, you blessed me, yeah. you did great. Yeah, you did great. The guy that was standing behind us, um, he he was standing behind us to get on the green carpet, right? And he, I guess he overheard me telling the girl that, you know, she was a doctor. And, and after she had finished uh, on stage, the fireside chat, he walked up to me and said, hey, I thought I heard you say like she was a doctor. But I was like, yo, she's they're too young to be no doctors. That I didn't hear that right. Um, and he was just like, yeah, looks can be deceiving. So you did great. So I thought that was dope. Yeah. I actually, I didn't even post it yet, but um, I have a, a TikTok about that. Because yeah. oftentimes people are like, oh, you're too young to actually know what you're talking about. Right. Um, Until they hear me and then they know, Right. I know, I what, know I'm what I'm talking, talking about. about. Right. But that really is a, just a product of one the anointing like i feel like god yeah, preserves you and the anointing. that's yeah something our parents instilled in us he didn't but mean also, anything by it he was yeah. it was more like a compliment when he said it But right. i can see you know, yeah. why you would be offended if somebody no else i'm said not it. i'm never offended if by somebody that somebody else said it yeah yeah but and also like we're black like we don't aesthetically always right. present <laughs> as our state cuz let age. me tell you in africa when we were standing by those um two guys that were going hunting they were coming to africa yeah. to hunt They, um, we were helping them get their phone because their time, the time zone on their phones did not adjust. Mm. So we were trying to help one because, you know, they were a little bit further in age and they weren't as tech savvy as we were. So we were helping. And he was on the phone with his wife. He was like, yeah, it's a good thing we got these kids standing behind us. I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, "Yo, little do he know, like. (laughs) Child. We are in our thirties. In our (laughs) thirties. Um, yeah. Okay. So back to the event. So it was a dope event. They had, um. A play, a five to ten minute skit, I will say a skit. Um, and then it transitioned into another selection from the go go band. Right. And um the violinist, I sent a video to my friend. The violinist who like we all grew up with in the, the early 2000s. Violinist. Yes, I forgot her name. I don't know her name either, but she most famous for um Kanye Twista. West. Yeah, Twista. her work I'll with make Kanye. You a celebrity overnight. Yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> She was that there. Was, that was her. Yes, I was so like, oh my gosh, this is bringing back childhood memories. Yeah. Childhood memory unlocked. Um, who else was there? We met Roland Martin, who was we met great. Roland Martin, Martin, he Roland came Martin for our. There. He came for our tripod. tripod. Yep um he said why are we walking around with this big tripod yes but that's what we do when we speak we're content creators but he did let us know that they have a lot smaller tripods so we got to look into that and he also gave us advice like if you know you're speaking somewhere like there are things you need to put in your contract so you don't have to walk around with it and i'm gonna start doing that yeah yeah so shout out to him um there was just a lot of people there lamar jackson was so nice when we met him and his friends Yes, they were like twin them. Yeah, they gave us a nickname. Right. Big um, tweet was really nice.
2: Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cut off? Bada ba ba.
1: Nice. She still looks and sounds the same. Mm-hmm. Like she it was just killed dope. her set. Yeah, she did so good. Yeah. Um, and just sitting there, I was like, yo, this is so amazing just to be a part of such a dope event. Um, oh, we forgot it ended with a boxing match. Oh yeah. The boxing match. (laughs) It was a, it was so many things happening. Yeah. Yeah. It ended with a boxing match. Like a real life boxing ring was in the middle. And um, there was a winner and a loser. So the boxing ring was set up the whole time walking in. I'm thinking like, oh, okay, well this is just a representation of like a metaphor. Fight and mental health. Right. Great. Um, then they got in the ring and I was like, oh, okay, they're about to demonstrate fighting mental health. One size mental health, one size the devil, fighting the devil for my mental health. Like, and it was like rigged or something, and mental health was gonna win. It was an actual fight. Yeah. They were no, he's a boxer. I didn't know that. I told you that. No, I knew he was a boxer. I didn't know it was gonna be an actual fight. Okay. So yeah. It was interesting. It was um well overall, we had a really great time. It was a Made great a lot time. of Great connections. It was really dope. So that's what I've been up to. That's one of the most recent events that I've been to. Right. Um, which transitions into our next conversation. So I know we're recently signed to the Revolt Podcast Network. A lot of people are wondering, like, who are these girls? What do they do? Why do they do it? Why do do they they do it? it? When do they do it? How do they do it? Right. So outside of podcasting, like we actually have careers. We have jobs. Yes. Nine to fives. Well, I have a nine to five. And I have a private practice. Um so I'm a psychologist, Chanel. I am a DEI practitioner. Just kidding. I um, <laughs> <laughs> I do diversity, equity, and inclusion work in which I advocate for historically marginalized groups, and I do that for an NFL team. Okay, awesome. Okay, because I thought you were going to leave some stuff out. I'm just making sure. Okay, DEI. Okay, NFL. All right, got it. Um, uh, you just, <laughs> did you tell them you're a doctor yet? Yes, oh, I said I'm a psychologist. Okay. Um, so yeah, so that is what we do. But I wanted us to talk a little bit about one of the one of our um. Really frequent questions that we get asked, right? right? So about that. challenges we had, about getting into our careers, and really what motivated us to pursue these types yeah. of careers. Got it. Um, so what motivated you? What motivated me to start in sports? Yeah. Well, my career started about 10 years ago, and I started um, with the mm. NBA. So I wasn't always with the NFL. I was working actually with the NBA G League team um, by way of the Philadelphia 76ers. So I knew that I wanted to be in sport. Um, Number one, through an internship, right? So, my sophomore, no, my junior year, I interned at the Wells Fargo Center. So, if you're familiar with the area, Wells Fargo Center is home of the Philadelphia 76ers. That's where they have all their concerts and live events. Um, So, I did my internship there. Uh, Shout out to Richard Hart. He was also a HBCU graduate, and um, he just wanted to make sure that, like I always say, like, He got a seat at the table, so he left the door open for others that went to HBCU. So he sought me out, made sure I I landed a role there, and um, we're still great friends to this day. So shout out out to Richard Hart. Um, But ultimately, like, I knew that whatever I was going to do for the rest of my life, it had to be fun. Because it's something I had to do every day from 9 to 5. So I knew it had to be fun, something that I was passionate about, something that I was connected with. Um, So I chose the route of sport. And how's that been? treating you so far like how do you like it um i love it of course like you know game days are fun um especially in the nfl it's only eight games that i have to go to um but the day starts like super early that's the only thing but it's not terrible because your day it it ends right around like four or five ish um so i think it's been treating me well you know i get tickets you come to games i do your friends come to games they do um so how is it treating you great oh okay well when i went to one game y'all it was so funny um so we were in the the president's suite right so um the president of the team or whatever Mm -hmm. we met him he's super nice very down to earth uh but he walked up to me and he was like chanel you're not working today like (laughs) like oh i'm not chanel i'm her twin sister (laughs) so everybody that day when i came to the game was confusing me thinking that i was chanel even like the um the 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 security the security team team, yes uh who you're apparently very good friends with yeah they all cool they're all cool yeah (laughs) it seems like they really love chanel at work but yeah everybody thought that i was you that's funny so we gotta recirculate that clip we're gonna post it on our did we post that on our page we did okay yeah y'all go back and watch that clip because we explain that story in detail it's so funny yeah It's hilarious. Um, But yeah, so that's what she does in sports. Again, like a trailblazer in the sports industry. Thank you. So what do you do and what inspires you to do what you do? Yeah, so I'm a licensed clinical psychologist. I have a private practice where I'm able to practice in about 30 states virtually, a little bit over 30 states virtually. I love working with adolescents and families and young adults uh, to help them through with like experiencing depression, anxiety, and things of that nature. Uh, most of the clients who come to my practice are individuals of the African diaspora. They also have some level of faith background because that's you know the background that I have, so people come to me for that. Uh, Because sometimes like people like to see a a psychologist who's, you know, also endorses like Christianity, if they're a Christian or whatever. So, um, so yeah, so I have a private practice. Uh, We recently hired a a new student clinician. So shout out to her. Uh, Yeah, so we're, we're definitely doing the work out there. Um, And so what inspired me to get in this field? Really just uh, observing the mental health disparities in our community. Mm -hmm. Because the reality is like, you know, black people are experiencing mental health disorders at a rate that's greater than their white counterparts, Mm -hmm. but are less likely to go to a therapist. Right. And I even we even saw this um, growing up. Like I always tell people another motivating factor was growing up in the black church. Like Mm -hmm. we witnessed firsthand how people might neglect getting professional help as a result of the things that the the stigmas that are in uh, the black community that, you know, permeates to the black church. But, you know, believing that I should be able to just pray it away. Or I should be able to get over it. Or if I believe God hard enough, I'm not going to experience X, Y, and Z. And I believe in those things. I do. Trust me, I do. But I also believe that God has provided us resources such Mm -hmm. as doctors and psychologists and social workers in order to help us through certain things. So it's been a journey. Um, A part of my work that I really, really love is this. Like I love being able to podcast and talk Mm -hmm. about therapy and talk about uh, psychology, mental health, and all that stuff. On my podcast, um, because I feel as though everybody might not be able to come to uh, Dr. Shonda's office, but you'll be able to also go on to Apple podcast and like listen to some of the things that I have to say. And I also enjoy like speaking about it in the public setting, so. It's been dope. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And that leads into what you just said. You like speaking about it in public settings. Mm-hmm. That leads into um, the It's Okay Not To Be Okay event. So yeah. that's an example of how she spreads her gift outside of, you know, the four walls of being in the office. So yeah. she does podcasting and special events like that. So that was dope. Yeah. So I, I want us to kind of get a little bit more into the challenges that we experience as, because mm-hmm. one thing we didn't talk about is how we are black women, we are underrepresented in our specific careers. So, yeah. like you, when you started out in your career, how many black woman professionals did you work with? So, when I started in my career, I was the only person of color, period, mm-hmm. um, in the office. So, black women, black men, anything else? No, there was nothing. There was just Chanel. Um, how so that... go ahead, yeah, it it was a, it was definitely, um, I'll say it was a challenge, um, because I had to find my voice. I had to find the confidence to show up authentically as myself. Um, I know that as black women, like we have this debate going on in our head or we used to, but now we're just more, you know, we don't really care because we have things like the crown act that protects us, but a lot um, of people still going through it, but wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we had this battle of like natural hair, like how should I wear my hair in the office or should I straighten my hair to go into the office? Like it was a lot of that, especially for the first couple of years um, of being in my career. Um, it was also, you know, some I, sometimes I just was misunderstood. I think that um, a lot of people, a lot of managers don't know how to effectively manage the emotions or manage black women, period. Like, they Mm -hmm. may not be used to um, maybe the fact that we may be, like, loud. Or even Michelle Obama said, like, I... I feel like sometimes I have to shrink because my laugh may be too loud in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody knows how to receive black women, whether it be our hair, whether it be the way we walk into a room confidently, whether it be uh, the way we laugh loudly or just exude black excellence in our every fiber of our being. Not everybody knows how to receive black women. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that is, or all the time, that's evident in the workplace. And that's sometimes evident in how uh, black women are managed. So... Period. Yeah. I think that, and that's something that you directly experience, like, in terms of, like, managerial stuff, like,
0: like, um, you don't have to talk
1: about now, but, like, right. previously. Right. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely not my current company, but, um, previously, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah, so I will. I will definitely say that. So the interesting thing about being a psychologist, so there, I've only been a psychologist for like maybe two years, two three years, because the the training is so extensive. So I've been a, a trainee longer than I've been an actual psychologist, mm-hmm. but I've been in the mental health field for about ten years, the same as you. So that's like eleven years of schooling. X amount of years of my postdoctoral fellowship, like all that,
0: I was. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. At participating McDonald's,
1: I'd say during the training years and um, you know, even in school and such, we definitely experienced hardship as Black women, mm-hmm. um, Black women or Black people in generally. And in general, right, as psychologists, only about two to five percent of psychologists in America are black. Mm -hmm. And that translates even in the classroom. Mm -hmm. When I was a grad student, only a handful of us were black. Mm -hmm. Even on internships, I will oftentimes be the only black woman or even the only black person. Mm -hmm. And that often would uh, impact how. Honestly, how I would show up, mm-hmm. feeling like I need to mask myself, feeling yeah. I needed to code switch. That's real. Yeah. And, and so um, oftentimes when I did experience this anxiety of uh, what happens if I show up fully as myself, I would experience such uh, anxiety and feeling yeah, like I can't go to work. I, I don't want to go to work today. Yeah. Because of the, this need to feel like I'm, I am I need to mask it. I, I can't show up as myself. Otherwise, I would be penalized. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I remember actually a couple of weeks ago, um, not a, cu- a couple of months ago, I remember having mini twists in my hair mm-hmm. and I stood in the mirror like, do I really want to go to work like this? Do I really want to go yeah. to work with my natural hair or do I really want to go to work with my mini twists in? Because I'll do natural hair, like, but the mini twist was something new. Yeah. Um. But I realized, okay, I have to stop being a, hi- a hypocrite. Because if I'm sitting here advocating for um, historically marginalized groups, which includes black women in their hair and protection uh, through the Crown Act, Mm -hmm. why am I sitting here uh, trying to convince myself to go to work and trying to convince myself to show up and be authentic? Mm -hmm. I should just be able to get up and show up authentically. So I had to kind of rebuke myself in the mirror. Yeah, but that and, and that happens so often for us as black women. And as you're talking, like it's so many things coming to mind right now. I don't want to make it a Dr. Shonda, a Paging Dr. Shonda podcast, but I think I'm going to go there. I can imagine even like us being... The women, the, the intersectionality of oppression is so distinct, right? Right. So, for spe- especially for black women, um, because there is, you know, race based discrimination, mm-hmm. uh, gender based discrimination, hair based discrimination, and even uh, color based discrimination, which right. is colorism. And even myself as a black woman, I often think about like, yeah, I had these struggles um, showing up authentically in. Uh, You know, as a a psychologist or a psychologist trainee, because I would have supervisors who said, oh, it's the hair and the nails. You need to kind of like tone it down a little bit, like coming from another black woman. I I had that before. But a black woman would say that. But I mean, it's all white supremacy. Right. Right. Um, But I often think like, wow, I wonder what my sisters who are of a darker complexion, would they experience. Mm -hmm. Because I can imagine that that is probably more intense or not probably it is more intense than what we experience right. because of that that additional layer of oppression right. that I'll Black listen. women, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it it, it was uh, trash. I remember there was like one supervisor that I had, and she's a white woman, right? Amanda Seal says there are people who are white people and people People who happen to to be white, white, uh, and I I identify her as like just somebody who happens to be white. Um, But I had this one white supervisor. I was preparing to go to an interview for my postdoctoral fellowship, Mm -hmm. and I was telling her like, "Yeah, I'm about to, you know, go to this uh, interview at a prestigious hospital. I need to take my hair out because I had really long braids at the time. Mm -hmm. I need to take my hair out, get a shorter style. I need to cut my nails down a bit." I was just telling her like all the things I need to do to prepare Mm -hmm. for this interview. Mind you, I'm not saying like I need to you know you know study for the interview practice or whatever right. i'm talking about toning down my appearance your appearance to be palatable to for- that part like yeah. i that and that's where black women that's our go-to right like we automatically think like okay how how am i going to make myself more palatable in right. this for your setting yeah. right and it really goes through a process we have to unlearn that um if we haven't but a lot of us we still have to go unlearn that but my supervisor kind of like Checked me a little bit in our supervision setting and she what just she asked me like why do you feel the need to do all of this and i was kind of like telling her well you know blah zay, blah you know long nails long... i don't want them to kind of like think i'm you know x y and z or whatever yeah. and she was saying like so you want to change who you are mm. to 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 show up for these people so wow. what if they hire you like do you are you going to continue to show up as this person or like so she kind of like challenge my perspective on being a psychologist who shows up authentically. Mm. And I will say, Chanel, like, the more I've done that, the more people reach out to me and say, like, they've blessed me. Yeah. Like, it's so great to have a psychologist who looks like me. I have parents all the time who sign their kids up for therapy with me just because they liked my braids on mm-hmm. psychology today. For real. Like, they'll say, oh, yeah, my daughter liked your braids, and she said she wanted you to be her therapist. I'm like, okay, <laughs> thank you. Um, that happens, like, all the time. That's Like, it's crazy. That's what's up. I had, um, braids was something that I really had to, you know, embrace. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially on my journey as I was, like, preparing to show up authentically. Like, trying to understand in my mind, like, yo, there's only one Chanel. Like, trying to develop the confidence to be able to show up authentically. Um, There was a time, especially when I was first starting out, like, I did not wear my natural hair to work. Mm-hmm. It was like I was either straightening my natural hair and it was breaking off, um, or I-, I was wearing like, you know, long straight weave or long straight wig or whatever. Um, but it was always pressed like straight mm-hmm. to the T, right? Um, but then there was like this one epiphany that I had to have. And mm-hmm. it was like, okay, if, if this company does not like Chanel with braids, then they also don't like Chanel who can generate millions of dollars of revenue. From Wait, that say that again, say that again. Say that again because the people need to hear this. I had to have the epiphany internally and I had to think if this company does not like Chanel with braids, then they don't like Chanel who can generate millions of dollars of revenue for their company. Because the thing is they want us for what we can produce, but not who we are. Right. And that's a problem. So at that point, I absolutely just didn't care anymore. And it's not like, you know, it's not in the sense of not caring about, you know, how I show up professionally. 100% I'm a professional, right, through and through. But it was more so like I am no longer going to conceal my blackness. I am no longer going to conceal my blackness to be palatable in corporate America. I am no longer going to conceal my blackness to be palatable in this space that was created for white men, a.k.a. sports. Mm. So, yeah, that's what's up. Um, so when talking about like the challenges related to black women and what we experience in these industries, like how do you how do you specifically overcome them? How do you deal with them? Overcome like the challenges, yeah. like the the texturism, the the hair, like the yeah. oppression like all these things. I think that it's an ongoing battle for all of us, mm-hmm. right? Um, we were just talking on our last episode, like White supremacy didn't die in Africa, the the motherland. So it definitely isn't dying here anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, It is an ongoing battle. It's something that we're continuing to experience. But you have to know who you are, right? You have to be confident and um, have the authority to show up authentically as yourself, Mm -hmm. right? You also need to know the things in your employee handbook that protects you, like the Crown Act, right? Like, you know, clauses that... um, about discrimination or what have you, but just like know what know what um know what policies are in place at your company that protects you as a black woman. Yeah, so. because the people will take advantage of what you don't know. Oh, absolutely, the devil takes advantage of what you don't know. Period. And since we kind of going in that direction, I want us to um, I guess I didn't answer the question. So I asked you that question. Great response. Mm-hmm. Um, for me specifically, I would say relying on community. Because um, even though, like, there are a small number of black psychologists out there, I am one of, like, the psychologists in D.C., mm-hmm. in the DMV. And I always said, even in grad school, D.C. is the mecca of black mental health. Mm-hmm. Like, there are so many black social workers, so many black psychologists. It is the headquarters of the Association of Black Psychologists. Mm-hmm. So, so taking advantage of the support systems that we have um, and even kind of going into our next segment where we're closing, uh, relying on the anointing yeah because like yes people might see me as not being palatable because i might look a certain way or dress a certain way or whatever um or i might wear heels every day that was a complaint i heard too while i was a student what i wear heels every day i don't care I st- who complained who complained child oh uh, but anyway no i um, really want to know Is like a, <laughs> a, i'll tell a you student? after no oh. i'll tell you after but um but yeah so like relying on the anointing for real and one of the things that you talked about before we started is, like, the anointing and how that plays in this. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, The reason why I thought it was important for us to close out with talking about the anointing um, today is because today you heard a lot about, you know, who we are, what we do, how we do it, why we do it, XYZ, how we show up in this world um, by way of our 9 to 5 and by way of your – private practice Mm -hmm. um but again the reason why it was important to bring up anointing is because the reason why i am so leaned into what i do the reason why i am so skilled at what i do is because of the anointing period and i don't want anybody to
2: everybody loves mcdonald's fries so yes you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home um but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: Think that the anointing is just for the four walls of the church. People think that the anointing is just for the pulpit. The anointing is not just for the pulpit. Okay, so for those of you who might not know, what is the anointing? The anointing is the grace to do something, the grace that makes it easy for yes. you to do something. Yes, through the spirit of God. The spirit of God that gives you that that part. Yes. Through the spirit of God. So you can be anointed. Uh, to preach you can be anointed even in the boardroom you can be anointed in the NFL right right anointed in the marketplace uh and so w- we're firm believers the anointing goes far beyond the pulpit listen far beyond the church my give god me- is way too advanced for us to keep putting him in this little box of right church. but you know I was gonna say give me an example of when the anointing like showed up for you or or you relied on the anointing to to close a deal or yeah a contract like There are so many examples, but I will say, like, any time that I'm going into a big meeting, I I pray. Mm -hmm. I make sure I go to the restroom or somewhere secluded, and I pray before any meeting because I need the anointing. I say, God, I'm about to take a seat in the passenger seat. You take the driver's seat. You you say whatever needs to be said in this meeting for X, Y, Z to happen. And I give it to God, literally. Yeah. I I, remember... um, having a meeting with a client and I really wanted a contract to come through. I was in sales at the time doing corporate partnership sales, sponsorship sales. And I remember having a dream a week before that the contract came to my email. And literally that Friday, right before the week came to an end, I received that signed contract for the deal in my email. So it's like the anointing, God, the Holy spirit, like it shows up in these secular spaces Right. And so, like, even for, for me, I, re- again, rely on the anointing in this space because I feel like you can't work with, like, mental health and not yeah, <laughs> have a relationship with God. Um, but I pray before seeing my clients. Mm-hmm. I Good. pray uh, so that, you know, God can give me, he can download in my spirit whatever they need in those sessions. I pray so that I have a direct uh, line of communication to God mm-hmm. so I can be an open vessel when I am communicating with my clients, because there are times where the Holy spirit might say, ask about this situation, ask about, you know, the relationship with this parent or that parent, Mm -hmm. ask about this, ask about that. Um, and, and, you know, we can rely on the books, of course. Like, you know, we we study for years as psychologists to to um, provide therapy based in these therapeutic modalities that we learn in school. But nothing can teach you nothing. what the Holy Spirit can guide you in. Nothing. Right? So the, the they don't teach you in school like when this they, they say this, then ask about this. That's what the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is for. Mm-hmm. I rely on that in order to work with my clients. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the same anointing that I feel when I am preaching. Is the the same anointing that I feel in the boardroom, in the practice, in in the speaking engagements, like all of that. So I think that was a great episode. I think so too. I I hope y'all really uh, gleaned from this information. If you have questions for us, make sure that you text. Uh, the podcast. I don't know if we have. We that. do. There, we, you can sign up for double dose on two one zero zero zero. Okay. Yeah. Look at that. So maybe if you text podcast, or it might be a different text. Message. We'll, 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 let, y'all we'll let y'all know. We'll let y'all know. Um, but I do want to end on a somewhat of a funny note, and she's gonna be mad for me bringing this up. Um, bro, what time we at? Oh wow, this is a long episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I do want to end on a funny note because. There was a situation where we're talking about being black women in our careers, um, and Chanel experienced, like, being very black in a very white setting. <laughs> and I just want you to, like, it, talk no, about that. It, no, I'm not going to talk about it. But I'll it talk about it. But it reminded me of, like, a scene from Insecure. Like, some Issa Rae in Insecure would do. Yeah. Okay, so Chanel mm-hmm. was working for a different team. Um, she was mm-hmm. at a, a hospital in Wilmington, Delaware, and they were having, like, this day, community day. And the yeah. team came out um with the community fairs and fundraisers and things of that nature she was standing in a circle with like a bunch of executives and you know white men and you know they were it was a music playing and uh and the music was popping y'all like this Ooh, was a they, it was a very white event but it was they were poison it was poison playing right bell bib devoe or some like m- members of new edition right yeah. um so poison Never trust a that okay, so Chanel's at work, she's, you know, listening to the music, she's amongst her colleagues. Um, and so they're in the they're in the circle talking and one of the executives say, um, <laughs> sorry, uh, yeah, check out the new edition. And Chanel was bopping. She was like, Yeah, you hear it? You hear it? <laughs> you hear it? Yeah, that's that <laughs> poison. No, I didn't, it wasn't even like that. I was like, Yeah, you hear it. It was just, yeah. Yeah, you hear it. And um, and one of the doctors was like, Yeah, the new addition to the hospital we just added. <laughs> the new addition to the hospital we just added, we just added all these great things. And you know, it's just new parking lot, new windows. <laughs> Chanel, when you told me that. I literally died a thousand this is why. This is why it's important to have cultural awareness <laughs> in these spaces. But, no, yeah. I just thought that that was hilarious. And it does very much remind me of an awkward black girl moment. It was definitely an awkward black girl moment. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, make sure you guys tune in to the next episode of the Double Dose Podcast brought to you by Revolt. Anchored, Anchored in hip-hop, powered, powered by, by creators. creators. All right, y'all. See y'all next time. Bye.
2: <laughs> hey there.